this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us for the episode for Sunday, August 20th, 2023, Hope for Hard Times, Episode 7, The Word Before the Work. Well, we've been in a study of First and Second Peter, um, initially, of course, right here in First Peter, and we have made it through chapter one. So if you're joining today for the very first time, there's plenty of time this week to go back and listen to the previous episodes, and you'll be caught right up with us, or you can just join with us today and keep moving forward. Well, one thing that I can say is we need to kind of keep reminding ourselves of some of the overall themes of the book of 1 Peter. Here's another way to put it. We are to be saved and live like we're saved. And you'll see how that plugs in today. Here's another way to think about the book of 1 Peter concerning suffering and overcoming through suffering. We must keep on growing in Christ in spite of obstacles and opposition. Over the years as a pastor, I observed so many times when people allow difficulties in life, sometimes just things that are common to all people living on this planet, and sometimes things that were uh, consequences of being faithful to Christ. But over the years, I observed so many people who quit. They would stop. They would let any difficulty or obstacle derail them from the train tracks in their walk with Christ. You know what we should do? We should use them We should use the obstacles and the opposition to grow even more in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and our walk with him. And here's another way to think about 1 Peter. Don't quit. Don't quit. All right, today we're going to focus on the need to keep the word of God central in our lives. If, if we are to grow in Christ and we are to survive the suffering we go through, we've got to be strong in the word of the Lord. But, 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 Pastor Ed, I'm not very strong at all. I get it. That's why we're doing this, to help everyone. And I'm not that strong either. I need the word of God. Now, I'm not setting myself up as an example. I don't mean that. But Every morning, uh, I've started listening to the Bible versus, uh, versus reading the Bible. I find that far uh, easier for me with my needing uh, glasses and all of that. And, and also just hearing it over and over, I find myself, without even trying, I'm starting to memorize, you know, I know what the next word and the next sentence is going to be, and that's a good thing. But I listen to the Bible in the morning, and I'm not talking about like one verse. I listen to several chapters. And at night, I am listening through the Bible again this year, and I've come to the Gospel of John 
I'm in the New Testament and I'm heading for the finish line. And I'll listen, for example, this week to several chapters of the Gospel of John at night. And maybe you're doing way more than that and good for you. Maybe you're doing nothing at all. Come on, get with it. Put the word before the work. If you're going to make it, you need the word of God. If we go through difficult times before the church is raptured, before the tribulation, I do believe in that, and I'm expecting it uh, momentarily, maybe before this podcast is over, things are, are, they look like they're falling apart, but they're really falling into place prophetically. Well, I don't know when the rapture is going to happen, and I also don't know what I may go through as a Christian in the country I live in before the church is raptured. So I've got to have the Word of God before I can even think about really being successful in, in the uh, work of God, being used by God and for God. All right, I want you to think about something. This is a really profound concept here. A healthy infant is a hungry infant. We all know that. A spiritually healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. Somehow we forget that part. Charles Spurgeon made a comment, and I want to read you his comment because it's great. Now listen, I'm quoting Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. To put away the scriptures from the mind's study is the certain way to prevent their influencing the outward conversation. Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and go on to filthy garments. And Peter is going to tell us here today that we need to, we need to cast off, like, like violently remove filthy garments. And we'll see that in a few minutes. Well, listen, the, the way you end up there is, is you don't ever use your Bible. There's a lot of dust on your Bible because you never open it. And pretty soon your life begins to look the same way. Listen, don't, don't get like that. If you are like that, let's do something about it starting today. The great uh, Bible teacher Howard Hendricks out at Dallas Theological Seminary many years ago put it this way. You are either in the Word and the Word is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ or you are in the world and the world is squeezing you into its mold. And yet the great tragedy among Christians today is that too many of us are under the Word of God, that is, we go to church, we listen to podcasts, we listen to Christian radio. Too many of us are under the Word of God, but not in it for ourselves. Remember, dusty Bibles always lead to dirty lives. The old Scotch preacher put it this way, sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. And you can't have it both ways. So let's get it the right way. Some of you right now are saying, Pastor, that just rubs his cat the wrong way. Well, you know what, Pilgrim? You need to turn the cat around. And that's what we're going to do today. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I got to tell you, before we even plunge in, there is so much I want to share with you from just these 10 verses. I can't even remember it all, and I'm only going to share with you a little bit of what I studied. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 1. 
Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, and let's stop there. Verse one of chapter two of First Peter. The very first word there we read was wherefore. It's like our word therefore. Whenever you see that, here's a great rule for Bible study. Whenever you see that, you gotta ask yourself, what's the wherefore, therefore? Or what's the therefore, therefore? And here's the simple answer. When you see that, when you're reading your Bible, it's summing up everything that's just been said before that. So all that we studied in the episodes one through six in 1 Peter chapter one leads Peter under the inspiration of the Spirit to say, so or wherefore, because of everything we've just heard and learned, we're to do something. All right, what are we to do? Wherefore, laying aside, that means throw this, these dirty clothes off. Like if you had, uh, if you went mudding, you know, that's something uh, people do uh, maybe all over the world, I don't know. <laughs> but Americans will drive their trucks into big mud holes and get the truck and their clothes and shoes and everything muddy. Well, then you got to clean it up, right? So you want to throw off all that dirty, muddy clothing. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. Now, what is that? Malice is a Greek word, kakia, and it describes wickedness, which comes from within a person. It refers to wickedness of every kind. Listen to this, but especially having it in for somebody. You know what I mean? Like, boy, if anybody ever gets fired at the office, I hope it's that gal, you know, where you're just, you, you've got it in for that person. You, you want to see them go down. Don't be like that. I mean, I get it. Sometimes people should be fired, but, but here's the point. That's not your job unless you're the boss, of course. And then what are you doing stewing about it? Just take action. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. You have any malice, any kakia going on? Probably, we all do. We need to throw that off like a dirty garment. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile. Guile is the Greek word dolos, and it's from originally the Greek word dilo, and guess what that word means? To bait. Now, Peter, yes, he's an apostle. Yes, he was a disciple, but you know what he also was? a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. Now they use obviously primarily nets, but um, Peter, at least one time we know of, threw in a hook like the Lord told him to, to catch that fish. And lo and behold, the tax money for himself, Peter and the Lord was in the mouth of that fish. Remember that? So that was just a fishing line like we might fish today. So Peter understands a whole idea of bait, right? Well, the Lord gives him this. He inspires him with this thing. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile. So this word in Greek, dolos, literally refers to a fish hook, a trap, or a trick, all of which are various forms of deception. Dolos is a deliberate attempt to mislead, trick, snare, or bait somebody like baiting the trap in an attempt to catch the unwary victim. So you're, you're uh, trying to do this to other people by telling lies. 
It's a desire to gain advantage or preserve position by deceiving others, to get the better of another person by cunning or deception. Are you like this? A modern term that you hear about in advertising is bait and switch. The bait is to like get you on a car lot. The switch part is like, oh, we just sold that 10 minutes ago. Look at this beautiful car over here. That's bait and switch. And that's, that's not a good thing to be doing. And it's a, uh, one commentator said, it's the selfish two-faced attitude that deceives and hurts others for personal gain. And by the way, I, I want to openly tell you, I'm indebted to Precept Austin, Texas, for their notes here regarding these words. And you can access that. It's free online. And uh, listen, I've done Precept Bible studies. That is a great thing to get into. But they, did, they helped me in my study here, and I'm giving them credit. Now, here's an illustration of something that will help you understand what that idea of guile is about. Over in Britain, there used to be, I don't know if there still is, there used to be something called World Book Day. And the organizers of World Book Day hold an annual celebration of reading in Britain. And they found this. This is shocking. Actually, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it's not. Here, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> they have found that two out of three Britons have lied about reading the books they claim to have read. And Americans would be three for three on that. The books were lied about, uh, the most often books lied about were English classics by English writers like George Orwell's 1984. Oh yeah, I've read that. Great book, great book. I've never read it, neither of most Britons. Tolstoy's War and Peace. Hey, I'm here to tell you almost nobody has read that book because it's like, you could use it for a doorstop. It's about... <laughs> half a foot high. It's thick. Most people have never read it. And the works of Charles Dickens. All most people know about Charles Dickens is a Christmas story. You know what the fourth most lied about book on the list was? You know what it was? I know you already know. Yeah, it was the Bible. People lied about reading the Bible. And it's interesting, the Bible specifically teaches against lying. <laughs> But when respondents were cornered and they were asked why they lied about reading a book, the most common answer given was that an individual wanted to impress the person they were speaking to. Most Britons had lied about the books they read. I'm not even sure most Britons can read. <laughs> Take that. I, I'm sure many can. Anyway, listen, if any of this describes you or me, we need to put it off like a dirty garment. Wherefore, what's the wherefore therefore? Because of who we are, which we've already seen in chapter one. We're not just nobodies. We are somebodies because of Jesus. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies. Now notice here that malice and guile are in the singular. Now we're gonna see hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakers are in the plural. Sin doesn't stay still. You start down that path, it's going to begin to proliferate in your life. That is, it will, it will grow and grow in your life. The word here for hypocrisies is, guess what? Uh, hypocrisis. And it is the idea, uh, without going into all the gory details, the idea that in Greek and Roman times, you know, let's say somebody went to see the evening play at the amphitheater, 
Well, there was no microphone system, and, you know, the, the actors were, you know, sure, these were great intimate venues and all that kind of stuff, but you were still 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 yards from the person on stage. There were no close-up cameras and video screens and all of that. So here's this person, this speck, you know, doing their part on stage to help people they would they would use a big mask that you, I, I think a lot of them actually carried in front of them to portray themselves as the villain, you know, the good guy, uh, whatever they were trying to play the part of, so people could see it like, oh yeah, that's the bad guy talking right now. So the whole idea was they were playing a part, and then the word began to take on the idea of somebody who was insincere not just an actor on stage, but somebody who was just a person in life who tried to make you think there was something they weren't by putting up a false front. So finally, we are not to be like that. We're not to be hypocrites involved in uh, like playing a part, like saying, oh yes, I really love the Lord. Hey, you don't care about the Lord. Some of you are listening today and you don't even know why. Because the truth is, you don't really care about the Lord or his word. You know what? We're all glad you're here because you were marked to get saved. That's the only reason you would be here is the Holy Spirit drew you here to hear the truth. And I wouldn't be surprised if you come to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, religious places are full of people who are involved in hypocrisies. We are not to be like that. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies. Now, what is that word? It's Greek word, thonos. And it describes pain felt. Listen to this. It describes the pain felt and malignity conceived at the sight of excellence or happiness. What? Why would somebody be like that? I don't know, but people are. Some people cannot stand for things to be going well or other people to be blessed or happy and they're gonna mess it up. And right now, you're probably thinking of somebody at your workplace or in your family or in your community, on your sports team, whatever. And these people exist and it better not be you if you're a Christian. If you are, you need to throw that off. It means not just wanting what another person has, but also resenting that person for having it. And by the way, this attitude is rampant in the world today, especially in the United States. You know what? If people were smart, which we're not, let's say that we see somebody's got a really nice car, a sports car. A normal response would be like, huh, and this is, this is kind of how I think. You know, whether it's, uh, say somebody got a nice car, you know, they have plenty of time off, whatever. They live in a nice home, whatever. And I see that. I've trained myself to ask myself, huh, I wonder what they do where they can afford that thing or that level of lifestyle. Like, let's say they've got uh, a Fender Strat. And I mean, it's a real Fender. It's the real deal. Huh, I wonder how they can afford that. What do they do? And it may be something I can learn so that I could afford a real Fender Strat instead of a Fender Squire. And if you're into guitars, you understand completely what I just said. 
<laughs> I could afford a strap. I just won't. I'm too cheap to spend the money on one. But you know what? I don't resent people who've got a fender strap. You know, if you're the kind of person to just get all upset because somebody else is blessed, you've got a heart problem. You need to repent of that. You need to throw it off like a dirty garment. As if you name the name of Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, knock yourself out, but you'll pay for it one day. <laughs> so it is an attitude, this idea of envy, an attitude of ill will and jealousy that leads to division and strife and even, in extreme cases, murder. When we envy, we cannot bear to see the prosperity of others because we ourselves feel continually wretched. Envy, listen to this, envy begins with desire to possess what another has, but it merges into resentful discontent. That is rampant in America today, and it's going to lead to people being murdered. That's where that's going. That's where South Africa has finally slidden down to right now as I give this podcast. Dwight L. Moody once told a, a fable of an eagle who is envious of another eagle that could fly better than he could. One day, the bird saw a sportsman with a bow and arrow and said to him, I wish you would bring down that eagle up there. The man said he would if he had some feathers for his arrow. So the jealous eagle pulled one out of his wing. The arrow was shot, but it didn't quite reach the rival bird because he was flying too high. The first eagle pulled out another feather, then another, until he had lost so many that he himself couldn't fly. The archer took advantage of the situation turned around and killed the helpless bird. Dwight Moody, the great evangelist, made this application. If you are envious of others, the one you will hurt the most by your actions will be yourself. Ooh, that hurt so bad. Well, listen, if it hurt, get it out of your life. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. This is the Greek word katalalia, and it's where we get our word slander from. And you, you saw there, it's plural. So katalalia, what does that mean? It, well, it's two Greek words, kata, which means against or down, and laleo, to speak. So it's to speak against someone or speak them down. It means evil speaking, evil speech, giving an evil report, slander, backbiting lies, defamation, disparagement, speaking about others in such a way as to belittle or defame their character. And by the way, this word is not even found in classic Greek. It's only in Koine Greek that the New Testament is written in. It's a special word. We are not to have that in our lives. And you know what? Every one of these are so easy. Let's say today you're walking in victory. They're all so easy to slip into tomorrow. Or last week you did great. This week is terrible. 
I remember seeing a movie once where the hero of the movie had the goods on top leaders within the government, like the, the government within the government. We would call it today the deep state. And he had them dead to rights. Like he had a recording with them admitting their crimes. And he realized that he could not keep this and live. And so he begins to squirt lighter fluid on this tape recorder and he's going to set it on fire. And, and the girlfriend says, what are you doing? That's the proof. He says, it's radioactive. I can't keep it. That is one of the greatest lines in a movie I've ever heard. And what we just read here, wherefore laying aside all, all, these, all five things, all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. Listen, they're radioactive. We cannot afford to have them in our life. We got to squirt the lighter fluid on it and set it on fire and be done with it. Say amen right here. Amen. All right. Now let's read verse one and go right into verse two. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, and there's two words used here for newborn babes, and it's just the idea of a baby that's just been born. As newborn babes desire, crave, desire the sincere, that's the pure milk of the word. Now, why should we do that? Well, the reason is that ye may grow thereby. This is how you grow out of and beyond and quit falling into the five things just mentioned, as well as every other thing that we shouldn't be and, and how we become what we should be in Christ. I never was around babies very much, but when Barbara and I got married, seemed like before we knew it, there were six kids in our home. And one thing that just amazed me is how a newborn baby just goes after milk. It is crazy. As newborn babes, that's us in Christ, we, in the same way we're to crave, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. That's how babies grow in the physical world. That's how we grow in the spiritual world world. Verse 3, if so be, and, and this is not like, well, it's a question, it's making a statement. It's, it's, that kind of, it's the idea of since. Since she had tasted the, that the Lord is gracious. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Well, yes, we know that. Well, then, then you know, once you have begun to take in the Word of God, and yeah, I think you should do this every day. Personally, I think you should do it several times a day. Keep on doing it. Don't quit. And then we see another way of looking at this. Verse 4. To whom coming, who's that? The Lord. And we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, that is, he was rejected by them, but chosen of God and precious. Listen, he is of high value, and we know this. Ye also, watch this. This is so cool. Ye also as lively stones. We're, we're living stones. Did you know that? 
Ye also as living stones, lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. So another way to look at us in the Christian life, along with other Christians, is we are living stones, just like the Lord Jesus Christ is a living stone, and we're being built into a, a spiritual house. Also, something else, and holy priesthood. We are a, a holy priesthood to God to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So when the world looks at us and says, what a bunch of losers. Hey, they're, they're the ones not seeing things correctly. They're the ones sad, but they're the ones who are the losers. They just don't realize it. We are living stones, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And we have a spiritual ministry to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Listen, we are very special people as Christians. Now, the world doesn't think we are, but what do they know, right? Now, we've lived on both sides. I've been lost, but now I'm saved. Lost people have only lived on one side. They just don't get it. Verse six, <coughs> wherefore, there's that word again, wherefore, you know, so now we're saying in light of everything we've just said, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So you won't be disappointed or dismayed when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. He has been chosen by God, the Father. He is precious, highly valuable. So don't be afraid if you're not a Christian yet to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a decision you will never regret. You will never look back. You will always be happy for the day that you opened your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of sin and turning to him in faith, trusting his death, burial, and resurrection, that he paid the price by his blood that your sin could be judged and forgiven and you could go free. Amen. Verse seven, unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner. So that whole building is set straight and being built straight based on him. Verse eight, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. It has been laid out for them that they would, they would be like this. And you know what? It's not against their will. They're happy to be that way. That's sad. But listen, it's two different worlds and two different responses, depending, uh, responses to the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, depending on which world you're in. I'm going to give you an example. That's a right now example as I record this 
on Sunday, August 20th, 2023. Some of you might not know the name Artur Pawlowski, but you may remember a Polish-Canadian street preacher and also a political activist by that name, Artur Pawlowski. He's a pastor of the Cave of Adullam Congregation in Calgary, Canada, and he previously led the King's Glory Fellowship, I believe, in the same city. He's the one that refused to stop preaching the gospel and offering church services during the, quote, pandemic. And he got in a lot of trouble. Did you know that he's been convicted of that? And did you know that he has been confined or um, sentenced to solitary confinement and a term of 10 years? Think about what I just said. He refused to disobey the word and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know how it's all going to go on an appeal and all of that, but I'm just saying that's where it is right now. Why is this man a threat to the government of Canada? Because he thinks there's a God greater than the government of Canada. (laughs) He thinks there's a God greater than Justin Trudeau, the God, small g, who happens to be one of the prized pupils of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And he's doing all of their bidding in Canada. So, Say, so, well, isn't that terrible? And, you know, the, the, the consequences and all of that and the suffering, yes, it's terrible. I also know the Lord will give him the grace and the church will take care of his family as they go through suffering. But think about the difference. All he was doing was he was disagreeing from the word of God and not behaving the way the government thought that he should because he clearly didn't understand that The government in Canada is God, and God is not God. Well, actually, they're the ones who are mixed up, and they're the ones who made such a big deal about it, and they're stumbling all over the place over the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And God bless Artur Pawlowski. Amen. Verse 9. Now listen, if, if the rapture doesn't happen pretty soon, we may be start being the Arthur Pawlowski's where we live. And I hope you will if it comes to that. And God will help you. But listen, here's, here's what you've got to remember if it gets into that area where you and I live. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar, that means special, people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to show you something in Greek that I just find this beautiful, and it may not mean anything to you, but this is beautiful. Where it says, ye are a chosen generation, those are the Greek words, eklektos genos. And that idea of genos is like a, a race, right? Eclectos chinos, remember that sound. A royal priesthood. In Greek, that's basilios, hierotuma. So we are an eclectos chinos, a basilios, hierotuma, 
And finally, a, a holy nation. We are a hagios ethnos. Isn't that beautiful? Now, one reason to believe in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is Peter was essentially an uneducated Galilean fisherman. How did Peter, how could he put that Greek together in that beauty? He didn't do it. The Holy Spirit did it through Peter. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke this through Peter. Amen. So, when the world says, you know, you, you Christians, you're nothing but trouble. And we're going to deal with you. I want you to remember, if that happens to you at work, on your sports team, at the university, in your community, among your family even, I want you to remember something. A, you're probably never going to change your minds. Okay, they made their choice, you made yours. But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's who you are. So we've got to put the work, or rather the word before the work. So grow in, the, in your faith by getting into the Bible every single day, perhaps several times a day. Listen to it or read it and grow so that when you go through these times, you will be shown to everyone to be who you really are and point to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be able to do the work of God, the work of witnessing and suffering. All right, I want you to write a phone number down right now. You will not remember it. You must write this down. I'll wait. Thank you. You have something to write with? Here it is. 888-388-2683. Now that's not a number where I'm going to sell you something. It's not even my number. You're not even calling us. You're calling a Christian ministry with counselors who can answer your questions about how to become a Christian and how to grow as a Christian. One more time. 888 388 2683. You can also go to www.bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. That's B E L L E V U E dot O R G forward slash Jesus. www.bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. That's the website of the church where I worship. There's a lot of helpful information there free for you. All right, as I've often concluded episodes in the last year or so, if the Lord doesn't come first or I don't die in my sleep and go to heaven instantly, yes, oh man, or Satan, the deep state, or the World Economic Forum, or some other group, don't double tap me, then I'll be back next week with episode eight of Hope for Hard Times. 
Please like this episode. Follow the podcast. You only need to do that once. And then share it right where you're listening with someone who you would like to share the Lord Jesus Christ with. Thank you. I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.